Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, September 28th, 2021. This is Shannon, and I'm here today with author Sarah Zakrich-Jang. We are going to talk about her new novel entitled The Other Me. It was released in August of this year. It is a speculative fiction novel mixed with a thriller. If that sounds intriguing to you, definitely stay tuned for that. And at the end of the interview, of course, I will have this week's new release information for you. Um, A bit of a romance-heavy episode in terms of new releases. So if you're a romance fan, definitely stay tuned. If you're not, there are a few things here and there that might appeal to you. But I haven't seen an episode as full of one genre um, as this one turns out to be in quite a long time. So let's move directly into the housekeeping information and then the interview. And lastly, I will chat with you about new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am really excited to be talking to debut author Sarah Zacharich-Jeng about The Other Me, which is a phenomenal thriller with some very cool twists, and this will be published in the U.S. on August 10th. So, Sarah, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You are very welcome. So I always like to start off with authors telling listeners a little bit about the book in question. So can you give kind of your like elevator pitch for The Other Me? Sure. Um, The Other Me is a speculative thriller about an artist named Kelly who lives in Chicago. And on her 29th birthday, she is at her friend's opening when she walks through a door and suddenly finds herself at her own surprise birthday party in her hometown in Michigan. So she stumbled into this alternate life where instead of going to art school, she married a guy from her high school and settled down with him. And pretty early on, as soon as she gets over the initial shock, she finds that she can remember things from both her life in Chicago and her life in Michigan. So she needs to figure out how this happened and why it happened and whether it can be reversed. And the book has elements of speculative fiction and domestic suspense. So I love how you say, like after she gets over the shock and I'm thinking to myself, like, hmm, I wonder, wonder how long you, it would take me to get ever. over that. Yeah. Yes. 
like what kind of shock must that be right first of all i am always really really happy to see michigan in a book um mm-hmm. i grew up in the suburbs of Detroit, and I now live in Ann Arbor, but you don't really see a lot of books set here. So I was really excited <laughs> when I saw that, like, you know, part of it was set in Chicago, like in the very beginning, yeah. but that a big part of the book was in Michigan. So I just, I, I always like when I see places that aren't, you know, like the usual, like New York or London. Right. Oh, yeah. So many books are set in New York, and I've been a few times, but I could never do it justice. So. Michigan it was. <laughs> yeah, Michigan is a is a nice enough place and very and like so there. many Oh, are you? Yeah, I grew up there. Um awesome. I, I lived there my first 20 years of my life. So it's pretty familiar to me and I have I have a lot of the details still in my head. So it it was kind of the obvious choice for me. It it was a good choice. I feel like place <laughs> plays such a big part in fiction. It's kind of like it's not the, the big thing that you think of necessarily, like where is this set? But mm-hmm. I feel like as a reader, you can really be like pulled in or kind of wrenched out of a book if the place like, doesn't feel doesn't feel right or doesn't feel like it's actually being portrayed in a way that makes sense to a reader. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, I, I had some towns in mind when I you know, made up the places where Kelly and Eric live. Um, there's, it's not like a real place, but it's, it definitely pulls inspiration from places I've been and places that I've lived. So um, it was nice to be able to draw from that. And I've spent plenty of time in Chicago too. So that's, it's my you know, favorite big city in the United States. Ah, okay. I've been to Chicago, I think twice. But only like once I was in seventh grade, so I'm not sure if that really counts. Um, Formative. And it is. And the second time I went for a music competition. So I was in a hotel like all the time. So I'm not sure that I really ever got the full like ambiance of Chicago, but yeah. it is uh, um, a very cool place to read about. It's a great city. So what you have here, you describe as kind of a, a hybrid of speculative fiction and domestic suspense. I'm wondering when you sat down to write this, did you kind of know all along that you wanted to add some speculative um, effect to the novel? Well, I knew, yeah, I knew that there would be a speculative element from the first. I didn't know at all that it would be a thriller type of book. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I started with the, with the original premise, which I'm not going to name, you know, in a uh-huh. detailed way, but um, I, so I started with that and then I was having kind of like upmarket literary kind of thoughts and I did a draft or two and it was kind of slower paced and very character driven and had a totally different ending from how it does now. Ooh. And then, Yeah. So yeah, it's had the book has had like two or three different endings, um, and it took several years. And at, in the process of revising and getting my agent, and you know, thinking about publication, the the pace picked up a little bit, and I kind of morphed it into something different. And then by the time we started to get it published, um, they they my publisher figured it would be best marketed as a thriller. 
Yeah, I feel like it has a lot of the the thriller elements and the kind of domestic suspense, like you mentioned, you know, that there are a lot of secrets, obviously, you don't fully know like who you can trust as a reader. Um, but then because of the sort of speculative element um, that I, I feel like is this giant elephant in the virtual room um, <laughs> that I, I dare not name for fear of spoilers, um, but I, it works so, so nicely. It feels like it gives it sort of that fresh like edge that you don't see. Like, I, I don't think I'm going to read another book this year that is going to do, you know, what, what this one did. And so it feels very, like, very fresh and, like, it really kind of helps it to stand out. You know, I feel like there's so many thrillers right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. sure, domestic yeah. suspense is huge. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I read a ton of it. But I'm always really happy when I see something that sort of takes it in a different direction. And I think that speculative fiction can do that in a way that, like, you can't always manage if you're just writing, like, a straight up thriller. Well, thank you for You're welcome. That. Um, yeah. You know, there's only so many like secrets that people can keep in right. sort of your average, like everyday life. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's like, is he having an affair or is he going to kill her? <laughs> right. But, or did he kill someone else? And it's like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> trying there's, there's to hide it. Where's the dead yes. body? Yeah. And I've always been a, a fan of science fiction and fantasy and just books where things happen that don't generally happen in real life. And I mean, I've seen um, in the thriller market, especially it can kind of go either way with readers. Like some readers are really into it and some readers will see um, something sort of um, speculative, like a, like a fantastical element. And they will say like, Oh, well, that's, that's cheating. I, I don't enjoy, <laughs> that's a deus ex machina. I, I don't enjoy that. No, thank you. But I mean, there, it will find its readers, I think. And the ones who are into it are really into it. So that's been really great. I think for me as a reader who generally reads sort of more of the straight up thrillers, like mm-hmm. if I know ahead of time, that I'm not going to be dealing with just sort of the, you know, the run of the mill, like things that would happen in my real life or someone else's. Then I think if I'm totally not expecting it, I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. I feel like my mind isn't quite, I don't know, like, like ready for it, I guess. Like primed. Yeah. Yes. But mm-hmm. when I started reading um, the other me, I was like, okay, so it says right here, that like she's in one place and then she's in another place. <laughs> and obviously like, I can't do that. You know, I can't just like right. walk into a room and be transported. So obviously there's something, you know, that's not like, mundane happening here. Exactly. And so I could sort of prepare for that and then really just go with it and not be bogged down in the idea of like, oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. that, that wouldn't happen. I feel like right. marketing is important. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes, I feel like marketing, you know, a lot of times people say like, oh, it doesn't matter how something is marketed. And yet I think in so many ways it does. Because I I think it's how readers know what they're, what to expect. I I totally agree. Um, Yeah, expectations are so key when, when you're going into a book, when you're thinking about a book you just read and what you think of it. um, It's, yeah, I think it's very important. So when you are reading, just to read, 
do you tend to read sort of in like the sci-fi fantasy genre or do you read outside of that or all around? I read pretty widely. Um, I do read a lot of like a fair amount of sci-fi and fantasy. I, I tend to love like genre blending, genre blending books. Um, you know, surprise, surprise, I wrote one. But um, I also read, I, I've been reading a lot of romance in 2020 because I just oh, needed beautiful like, romance. comfort reads. I know. Yes. Um, and I, I like historical. I like, you know, literary. I pretty much like any genre. I don't read a whole lot of nonfiction, but anything that lets me escape, basically. <laughs> For me, I have to read, if I read nonfiction, it has to be very like story-based. Yeah. Like, I don't want to read a nonfiction book that's very dry and sort of theoretical. So right. I'll read like memoirs mm -hmm. or I'll read true crime. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I can't, you know, people will say like, oh, I just read a really good book on, you know, like the theory behind meditation. And I'm like, right. okay, well... I don't think I'll read that today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can read like articles online about stuff like that. Yeah. Like a whole book is just, um, it's not like what I kick back with to relax, you know? No, not like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, read this for a while before I go to bed. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. such a fabulous, like, you know, trigger on, <laughs> on something. Yeah. Um, and so I do find fiction as much as I, I try, you know, I'll think to myself, I should really, you know, try to read like more nonfiction and I can, but it has to fall into those kind of categories that I mentioned mm -hmm. where it feels like a story. Right. And I mean, and not just a, a theory. True. Yeah. I mean, and, and I do read nonfiction for like book research, especially. Um, ah, yes. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I read a few like really helpful books in the course of writing The Other Me. Like I had to research, you know, the art world and certain scientific concepts, which shall remain sort of nameless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because no spoilers. But, but um, that part of it, like kind of dry to research all of the science or do you find science to be like interesting as, as a research topic? It was a little dry. I mean, I'm not a scientist. Um, I, I work as a web developer in my, you know, day job life, but I don't as a rule read like, you know, academic papers or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, some of it was a little hard to get through, but you know, with, with the help of YouTube videos and things like I that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where it's would all, we be without YouTube? I don't know how <laughs> we learned how to do anything before the internet, so... I just feel like I get, you know, caught up in all these things. Like you can just go on YouTube and like, you'll never leave. I know. <laughs> you, can, you can learn how to do literally anything. It, it's a little bit of a problem. <laughs> so how long would you say it took you? You said that it took you some years um, to kind of get from your initial like idea of writing the book to actually where you are now, where it's almost ready to be published. So I had the initial idea, like the one sentence spark in like 2015, I think. And then, oh, wow. yeah, so it took me from then from that little seed until the finished draft that my publisher accepted. That was just about five years. Um, okay. Yeah. 
So then you had done a lot of the actual like writing before the pandemic. So before everything kind of closed down for a while. Yeah, like pretty much all of it. I, I think I did like, you know, the a little bit of developmental edits and copy edits during the pandemic. And that was about it on this book. Okay. So have you always known that at some point you would like to write a book or did the idea just kind of come to you and you're like, hey, maybe I'll, I'll try this? Well, I've written since I was a kid. Um, and then I stopped for a while in my 20s. I was you know, working and I played in bands for a while. So that was kind of my creative outlet. And then um, I, was, I was in my 30s and I'd had a child and my life had changed a whole lot and I needed like a new creative outlet that didn't keep me out all night. So I started writing and um, eventually this book came out of it. So it was really like kind of a positive way for me to deal with my angst about growing up, I guess. Yeah, I suppose like writing could keep you up all night, but probably not out. No, no. <laughs> and, and I write in the morning. I get up at five o'clock and write before anybody gets up. Oh, see, I am so not a morning person. I like, think it used to be. Oh, gosh. Like, my idea is sort of like if I were in charge of the world, <laughs> like, the day wouldn't start until, like, 10. Like, I there's mean, just something be. about early morning where I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I have to go to bed super early, but, but it's, it's worth it. So then you kind of can carve out that time in the morning um, to get some writing done before you sort of go on about your, like the rest of your, your day. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's you, even a hashtag. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Do you also write in like, like on the weekends or do you just do it sort of as a Monday through Friday thing or does it depend? I pretty much write every morning, uh, weekdays or weekends, unless I'm on vacation or something. And then okay. on the weekends, I'll kind of, you know, get in whatever time I can. Of course, now I'm on deadline for my second book. So I've been trying to get in as many moments as I can outside of that, too. So can you tell listeners anything about what we can expect next from you? Yeah, so I'm working on another speculative suspense novel. And Good. <laughs> this one is about two women who were best friends in college, and they had a little bit of a toxic friendship that ended really badly. And uh -oh. then it's about what happens when their lives intersect again years later. Okay. <laughs> I will be keeping an eye out for this. <laughs> I think there's Great. so much that we that we learn as we read about like female friendship. I feel like there's just the dynamic is so so dense that mm -hmm. like, so many people can write just phenomenal things that sort of center around those friendships, whether they're like the kind, supportive friendships <laughs> or like you said, the sort of toxic friendships mm -hmm. or exactly. somewhere in between. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I had a lot of fun with that in the other me too, like um, the friendship between Kelly and Linnea, like, yes, it's, it's kind of emotional because, you know, she literally loses her best friend and this person doesn't remember her anymore. And it's um, like, I kind of wanted to punch up that emotionality a little bit with that. Yes. Parts of that were, you know, kind of difficult to read when she was sort of grappling with, you know, what does all this mean? Mm -hmm. about her life and how you know her life impacted the lives of people that she knew 
right. than what happened when, you know, that sort of was, was pulled out from under her. Yeah. Yeah. And all the like sort of ripple effects, but yeah, I mean, like friend, your friendships are some of the closest relationships you have a lot of the time once you're, especially when you're in your twenties, like you're closer to your friends than maybe your, your parents definitely. And, you know, you might not have a partner. So your friends are your family. Yes. In, in a lot of, in a lot of cases, I think that's true. And just like in, you know, families of blood, you have like some friendships that are super functional and others, you know, not so much where you're kind of watching these people and you're like, wow, um, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't seem very healthy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And certain, certain relationships will be you know, more healthy than others. Yes. Especially I think in fiction, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look back at, at the friendships that I've had over my lifetime. And I think like, yeah, you know, I'm really glad that I have never discovered that, you know, my best friend like secretly hated me and was plotting my death oh. or, you know, like <laughs> you just read all these things that, you know, happen that make for such like delicious mm. thrillers. Right. But, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really, uh, it would be, be so them. painful in real life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like I can read about all sorts of things, but it doesn't mean that I want to actually experience those things like off the page. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. Fiction is like morally, like I can read about all kinds of characters and be like fascinated by these people and they're terrible people and you would not want to know them in real life. But I love that they're in books and they're making these bad choices so that I can read about them. Yes. And you can sort of understand like, oh, you know, this person perhaps like makes this choice because of these things that you learn about them as the Mm -hmm. book unfolds. And you kind of see that like with Kelly, as she is trying to figure out like what has happened to her. Mm -hmm. Like she, she has a lot to, to deal with, obviously. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes like, she's not really sure how you like how to get around it. And I love sort of that idea of like somebody, you know, doesn't necessarily know what to do. You're not plopped into this world with all the answers. So watching somebody look for the answers, I think makes for a really like engaging story. That's great. Yeah. And I wanted to, like, I deliberately set out to make it a little ambiguous whether she, you know, might want to stay in this life because there are compensations to it. Right. Um, Yeah. And she doesn't know whether she can get back to her life in Chicago. And at at some points she is not sure whether she wants to, or whether she should want to. Um, So I, so I really wanted to be deliberate about making that um, an element. I think it sort of, you know, causes us to look at this whole idea of like, what if at some point in our lives, like a pivotal point, like what if we had made made a different choice. And I think we all spend a certain amount of time like thinking about that, like, oh, you know, what if I like took this job instead of, you know, this other one or, you know, went to this school instead of that one. And I think it sort of plays into that whole idea that like, you never really know how the choices that you make are going to like play out throughout the rest of your life. And it was really neat to see Kelly sort of like get a glimpse of that, that, you know, you and I will mm-hmm. never get. I hope. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind of, it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of a dark window into that, that thing. Um, 
but but yeah, I mean, she she gets to see what would have happened if she, you know, had had a high school sweetheart and married him. And I, yeah, we're we're not sure if she likes what happened, but but yeah, I mean, I think about you know the roads not taken all the time, and I think a lot of other people do too, and that's that's a lot of the reason why some people have been so interested in this book, and I think that's wonderful. There's another one, and I haven't read it yet. Um, but it kind of asks the same question in, in sort of a, a different way, but it's um, The Two Lives of Lydia Bird by Josie Silver. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks at that, like, you know, what if this thing had happened instead of another? And it's something that has been on my massive list of things to read, um, <laughs> but I haven't yet. But it did kind of intrigue me in sort of a, a similar way, like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, what, like, what if? Reminds yeah. me of like the sort of choose your own adventure books that there were when we were kids. Like, you know, if you want to do this, <laughs> turn to this right. page. <laughs> then you turn to the page and you immediately die. But- yes. Yeah, so you're like, oh, that, that was yeah. the wrong choice. Bad choice. But yeah, I mean, that sounds like a really interesting book. And I, I love books like that with like alternate realities. And even, even if there's no like, you know, explanation for it, um, like what there is like a Taylor Dickens read book, I think. Oh, where maybe in another life. Maybe in another life. And yeah, there's like sort of parallel stories yes. of what happens if she, you know, goes one way or the other way. And that, that was really good. I love that book. There's also um, You Were There Too by mm. Colleen Oakley, which is a oh. little bit of a, like of a different take on it because it's like somebody that she dreams about, like has been like part of her dreams for right. like the majority of her life. Ooh. And then she like gets to sort of glimpse, like what would that be like if that person were real? So it's not quite like the, the choice, like, you know, what if I made mm-hmm. a different choice? Right. But it is sort of that idea of like, what if my life, you know, were different in some, in some key way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just like a natural human thing to wonder about. And I mean, yeah, there's so many books that do some variation of that. Oh, there are just so many books (laughs) in general. Yeah. And it it makes me very, very happy because I will never, ever get to read all of the books (laughs) that, that there are. You'll never run out. I did ask my grandmother once when I was in high school and I was like really upset. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what if one day I have read all of the books that there are? Like, what if that happens? Never <laughs> gonna happen. Like, that, that's what she told me. She said, you know, people are always writing books. Yeah. Like for as many as you read, you know, 10 times that many like come out every year. <laughs> I know, especially now, like there's so many oh. different avenues. So yes, it's so lovely. Mm-hmm. So speaking of books, I now get to ask you my very favorite question. <laughs> what have you read recently, either like right now or over the pandemic, like you can define recently um, as, as loosely as you want to, but what have you read that you think the world should know about? So I, I actually read this a little while ago. It's called, and it's a book that comes out the same day as mine. And it has a very similar premise and it's called oh. She She Wouldn't Change a Thing by Sarah Adlaka. And- um, Oh, we, I've seen this. Yeah, I haven't read it, I've seen it. It, it comes at it in a totally different um, direction. Like it, the, there's a, the, the main character is a psychiatrist and she has kind of a weird patient and the patient like 
tells her something strange that she doesn't believe. And then the psychiatrist wakes up the next morning in her 17 year old body. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's, um, it's very emotional. It's like, and she has children that she needs that she wants to get back to. So there's that piece of it, which is super, you know, urgent. Um, Yes. So, so it comes at it in a totally different way, but it's, it's so interesting and it's such a good book. Um, and it's, it's just, yeah, like it goes to show you how many different ways this, this general idea can be done. Um, and another book I've been getting back into, um, because I went, it's, it's a thriller and it's, it's coming out in September. It's called My Sweet Girl by Amanda J. Tissa. And I, I always have to take breaks during thrillers because I, they get too intense for me. So I had stopped oh. for a while and now I'm back into it again. And it's just like pulling me through it. It's, it's, it's an amazing book. So. so my partner kind of reads that way where like she'll not so much stop like because it gets intense, but she'll kind of be reading like more than one book at a time. Mm-hmm. And then I'll ask her, but like, don't you like lose the momentum? Like if you you know, stop reading one book and you like go into the other one, like, doesn't it sort of like derail you? And she's like, no, you know, the momentum mm-hmm. just sort of like picks back up. But yeah. for me, I, I struggle if I like get so far in a book and then I stop mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, like somehow Sometimes I, know, like, I lose does. the, I lose yeah. the like propulsion, like right. nothing's like and you pushing me forward. And, yeah. But I mean, yeah, sometimes that happens. And then, you know, that's just kind of a casualty. But I mean, my, my reading attention span has been shot during the last year and a half anyway. So yeah, I think that's true yeah. for a lot of people. Like, I think yeah. for some people, it's been like, you know, almost impossible to read. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's been like, you only read like in certain genres. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. talked about reading romance um, during 2020. And we here at Book Bistro read an awful lot of romance. In fact, some of my presenters um, actually pretty much only read within the romance genre. And so they would be very upset with me (laughs) if I did not ask you what romances you have discovered over your last, you know, year or so (laughs) of of romance reading. So I I just recently finished um the new bromance book club book yeah um, yes like I forget oh it's uh, isn't it romantic um, yes and yeah I've like ever since I heard that that the Russian was getting a book I was just so excited for it so the uh women on my team were <clears throat> arguing about who was going to get to discuss that book when we were looking at <laughs> like most anticipated releases of July Mm-hmm. and like so many people are like oh I want to talk about isn't it romantic I'm like yes but so does everyone else <laughs> yeah yeah I mean and, and it was like I it was so funny like I, I laughed multiple times during it so. I, I love her she yeah, just so writes funny. these remarkable books that like seem like they should be really kind of fluffy and silly but they, that just hit like yeah. that right spot like so yeah. easily and they do like, you know, tackle kind of serious yes. issues. So yes, they do. So, yeah. I mean, romance is like, you know, deceptively fluffy in a lot of cases, but it really does go to the heart of things. I am particularly excited for the new um, Helen Huang, which oh, comes yeah. out at the end of August. And yeah. from what I hear from early reviews, like that one is a lot heavier 
right. um, in terms of like what it tackles than the first two that she wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm here for it. I, I can't wait. Like everything I've read of hers has been so good. So I'm just, uh, the I can't kiss wait. quotient. Yeah. And the bride test. Yeah. So, so excellent. So good. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking time so close to your release day to chat with me about your book and a little bit about your writing. Um, Before I let you dash off, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online these days? Um, So I am on Twitter at uh, Sarah ZJ and I'm on Instagram at uh, Sarah underscore EZJ and that's Sarah with an H. I was just going to ask you, Sarah, with or without the H? Definitely with an H. I have on the the Book Bistro team, Sarah without the H. So I I always try to uh, be aware of of the spelling. (laughs) It's a a divide. It is. Well, thank you so much. And I wish you the best of luck, both with this release, which is coming up on you pretty soon now, Mm -hmm. and with your next one. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Awesome. Okay, new books. So the first several are going to be books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated books of September episode. And first up here, we have a book that Amber mentioned. Um, Brooke and I are also really looking forward to this one. But it is The Man Who Died Twice. Thursday Murder Club, book two by Richard Osman. We then move on to some romantic suspense that Mika talked about, and that is Last Seen Alone by Laura Griffin and Don't Look Now by Mary Burton. Kristen has a couple of books that she's excited about this week. The first one is The X-Hex the X-Hex, book one by Aaron Sterling. And this is um, kind of a paranormal romance. It is written by Aaron Sterling, who is a, a pseudonym for author Rachel Hawkins. Kristen is also looking forward to a historical romance. This is A Reckless Match, Ruthless Rivals, book one by Kate Bateman. And I have a historical novel um, with romantic elements, but more straight up historical fiction here. And this is The Woman at the Front by Leisha Cornwall. So those are books that you've heard us talk about before. I'm now going to move into books that we haven't mentioned. And as I said, most of these are romance. So starting out with one that I think Stacy will be excited to know about. This is Just a Little Married. Moonlight Ridge, book three, by Reese Ryan. And this is about a woman who needs a husband in order to claim her inheritance. And she thinks that maybe her old flame will be able to help her out with that. So this is Just a Little Married, Moonlight Ridge, book three, by Reese Ryan. We then have The Sweetest Remedy by Jane Agarro. This is romance, um, a little bit of women's fiction set in Nigeria about a woman who journeys there 
to meet her family for the first time and get to know some long-buried secrets about her father. This is The Sweetest Remedy by Jane Agaro. I read an early copy of this, and I highly, highly recommend it. If you like male-male romance, then this next book will be perfect for you. This is The Lights on Knockbridge Lane, Garnet Run, Book 3 by Roan Parrish. Roan Parrish um, is an author that I'd heard about for quite a while, but this year was the first time I'd read one of her books, and I definitely plan to go back and catch up on her backlist. She does a lot of male-male romance, um, a few male-female romances featuring characters who are bisexual, um, a lot of really awesome small-town charm exists here. So this again is The Lights on Knockbridge Lane, Garnet Run, Book 3 by Roan Parrish. Last year, Leah Lewis came out with a book called Dear Emmy Blue, and a lot of people in Romancelandia really loved it. She has a new book out this week. This is Eight Perfect Hours, and it is about two people who are stranded overnight together in a blizzard. Of course, once they're able to drive off, they don't think they'll meet again, but, 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 as you know, is likely to happen in a romance, they certainly do. So this is Eight Perfect Hours, and it is by Leah Lewis. We also have a historical romance. This is Once Upon a Duchess, book two, by Lorraine Heath. The title is The Duchess Hunt. Lorraine Heath um, is one of the most prolific historical romance authors writing today. I mean, there are others who've written similar amounts, but I just feel like her books are consistently high quality, and I've really enjoyed everything that I've read by her. I have not read this Duchess Hunt series yet, although I really want to. Um, I think my favorite Lorraine Heath is Falling into Bed with a Duke. But anyway, this is The Duchess Hunt. Once Upon a Dukedom, book two by Lorraine Heath. And we have a historical fiction novel. This is The Duchess by Wendy Holden. And this is a historical account of the life of Wallace Simpson. So if you're kind of intrigued by that portion of British history, definitely check this out. It is The Duchess by Wendy Holden. And I'm ending things today with some fantasy. We have three of these. Steel Striker, Sky Hunter, book two, by Marie Lu. This is more, I guess, science fiction than actual fantasy, although Lu has written um, quite a bit of fantasy. She's written some dystopia, some science fiction. But this is definitely, I would say, more like young adult science fiction. Sky Hunter, which was the first book, came out last year. Um, I think Kira talked about it. And um, so the sequel is out now. And this is Steel Striker, Sky Hunter, book two, by Marie Lu. Then, if you like vampires, you might enjoy this one. This is Court. And it's Crave, number four, by Tracy Wolf. Some people say that this is kind of like a Twilight series, but minus the sparkle. So I'm thinking maybe a little bit darker um, YA vampire romance. I have not read this series, although 
I can't say that I never will. It just hasn't been something I've been inspired to pick up quite yet. This is Court Crave Book 4 by Tracy Wolf. And lastly, we have the new Naomi Novik book. This is The Last Graduate. It is the Scholomance book two. And Amber mentioned the first book, Scholomance, last year. Um, I have read one Naomi Novik book. I wasn't crazy about it, but I know that Stacy and Sarah both really, really loved Uprooted that she came out with a few years ago. Amber is a big fan of her Temeraire series. So this one um, is a fantasy kind of set in an alternative like magical school. This is The Last Graduate and it's Scholomance Book 2 by Naomi Novik. And that is all I have for you this week. I hope you have enjoyed the interview and that you've managed to find some great books to keep you company this week. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.